I'm sitting across from my first, I think it's my first repeat guest, Jerry Boone from Froggy Farms, who I call Froggy. Welcome, Froggy. Hey, Terry. Uh, it's good to be back here with you. I really enjoyed our last podcast, and I know you're super busy. It's been been hard to get a hold of you. This will be a good chance for us to get together and talk again. <laughs> well, you and I are right in our season. I think every season is my season, but I know that uh, certainly as a farmer, you're in the heart of your season. I, as, I mean, uh, this is like, I mean, over the summer, you probably make most of what you make throughout the year, I'm assuming, oh, if yeah. I'm not getting yeah. too personal. Uh, farming is as seasonal a business as it gets. Uh, I make 80% of my money in a two-month period in the summer. Uh, so economically, seasonality is very important to us. And, of course, because we grow naturally, we have to follow the seasons of the vegetables. We have to follow the patterns of the vegetables we grow, and that affects us. It also affects you, the customers and consumers, because if you're eating properly, you're following those seasons too. Uh, the world today, transportation has allowed us to bring food from any place, any time, to satisfy our desires. But maybe that's not the way it should be. Uh, and so following seasonality with local foods, that's the way to go. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I'm a person that eats seasonally. I I don't think I always did, but as you, you know, you become a foodie and as you love farmers markets the way that I do, you begin to realize that there is something to eating to the season. And it's a change to say, I'm not really having asparagus, you know, in the fall, um, which is not to say you can't freeze asparagus. And I don't, it's not that I'm telling other people how to do it, but I think once you begin to really eat within the season, we celebrate, you know, what the moment is. So at this time of year, it's really about celebrating the tomatoes. And so for me, it's like, I'm going to make making tomato confit and I'm going to dry tomatoes and I'm going to use them in every form. Um, and then unless they're really grown in a greenhouse, I'm really not enjoying them until, you know, until next year. I agree. I agree. Uh, you can't celebrate everything in life every day. We don't need Christmas every month of the year. Right. And we don't need tomatoes every month of the year. We need them at their moment. This is the perfect moment for tomatoes. This is a time to enjoy them and uh, get the most out of them. And I think for a lot of people, they're, they're not even aware of what the seasons are. So in the, you know, August, September, what are the things that are really in season? Well, uh, during August, that's the prime time of the year. Uh, onions are harvested. Uh, garlic is harvested. And that queen of the garden, tomatoes are in their prime. Uh, many, many crops already where you've got okra, eggplants, peppers. Everything's happening right now. August is the month of plenty. Uh, September, we'll start to see the slowdown of some of the summer crops, such as tomatoes, uh, eggplants, and peppers, corn, etc. And that's when the root crops will come into play. They'll be harvested. Uh, some will be immediately uh, ready. Others will need curing or proper storage before they're ready. Uh, so... A lot of things going on now. You come to a farmer's market and tables that were empty in May are full to the brim with, with all sorts of products. I love the celebrating of the seasons. And I am, you know, I always think the best, most inexpensive entertainment or something that I do that's a real feel-good moment for me is going to the farmer's market. Getting there early when the chefs are there, you know, seeing all of the beautiful produce, talking to the farmers because there's so much that they know about the produce, about how to cook it, how to simply prepare it. And for me, it's that moment of just feeling alive and feeling like I'm in such a place with chi and with energy. And uh, I just, it's, it's definitely my entertainment. You're completely right. The energy at the markets now is crazy. It's so great. Sometimes farming can be hard. And in the off seasons, we can get a little glum. 
but everybody, all the products are coming in, the money's coming in, the customers are coming in, everyone is happy. It is a wonderful, wonderful time of the year. Uh, and it's interesting that you mentioned chefs. Uh, it's not just farmers and consumers who are approaching seasonality now. Many, many chefs uh, follow the seasons very, very closely and feature whatever products we have when we have them instead of having them shipped in from uh, warmer climates, say, in the winter. And here's a question. If you planted asparagus now, because we know that's a spring vegetable, what would happen? Uh, well, asparagus is a perennial crop, and you plant uh, what's called an asparagus crown the year before. After three years, you begin production, and it can continue for up to 15. So you could plant your asparagus crowns now. Uh, typically, though, they're planted in the spring. Uh, possibly you could plant them in the fall, but planting in the summer like this can be difficult because of dryness. Uh, anytime you uh, transplant any kind of plant, you need to have good moisture levels and a fairly steady temperature range. August and July and the beginning of September, that's not what we have out here in the Midwest. Temp temps are going to be all over the place, rain, uh, dry days, so not a good time to plant them. Tell us a little more about seasonality. Like what, what you know, some of this I know, of course, but what uh, plants are in what season? So we've just talked about summer and, of course, green beans and sure, zucchini sure. and all that goodness. You know, all of the wonderful fruit that we see, the peaches and the nectarines and, mm -hmm. and berries and things. Um, what about in the fall? Let's just kind of run through that. Okay. Well, if you like, I could start in the spring. And start we'll, in the spring. We'll do a quick Go run through it. of the spring and, uh, and move on into the fall. That way we get the whole, the whole year of seasons. Okay, perfect. Uh, so spring will often bring us uh, the greens for the year. Spinach is quite common, uh, lettuces, other greens, fava beans. Uh, peas will begin quite quickly. We'll see garlic skates come in as well. Uh, after that, we're going to be entering the warmer seasons of the year, say July. We're going to start to have uh, beans tomatoes, uh, peppers. Uh, peppers will be a little bit more into August, but we'll start seeing those. We'll see eggplants as well. Uh, corn will come at the end of July. We'll begin to see uh, summer squash. That's zucchini to most of us. Um, we will have cucumbers rolling in at the beginning of August, uh, followed by the, the meat of the tomato harvest. That's when it really, really gets busy. And then we'll have also the fruit. So, like, in spring, we would have strawberries, correct? Yes. And then, is the apricot spring or summer? Uh, apricot is late, late spring. Late spring. And then summer, you know, begets things like the peaches and the uh, nectarines and the blackberries and, yes, you yes. know, yeah. the uh, blueberries. We'll, we'll be getting raspberries in there, too, as well, about, uh, about midsummer, uh, of course. Uh, that's one of the things we grow. I know that you have raspberries. I, this summer, I just so celebrated black raspberries. It was just like I enjoyed them, and they were so beautiful and small and organic and beautiful. Do you ever make a raspberry vodka? Uh, I have many, many times made raspberry vodka. Yeah, we, uh, we uh, infuse many of our crops and our flowers into uh, various alcoholic beverages. And this, is this something you just enjoy, or do you sell it? Uh, no. Uh, licensing for those sort of things okay. is a little difficult, so these are just things for my personal enjoyment okay. and those of my friends. Well, I would love it if you would consider maybe giving a couple of those recipes, and we could put you on the blog and, you know, photograph it, and it would be fun. That would be great, yeah. I'd love to do a holiday thing about that. So. We have some very unique uh, uh, drinks and infusions we make, too, using a lot of foraged plants that we find, and that's something you won't see anywhere else. So yeah, we'll, Have you ever we'll made anything that. with St. Germain? 
I have not, but yeah. uh, we don't we don't have yeah. it on the farm. Okay, but so. uh, we we uh, do make uh, some drinks with wild bergamot, which is a very interesting and beautiful plant. And that's a very isn't there like an essential oil that comes from that? Uh, well, there's uh, you can't confuse it with the citrus bergamot okay. like you have in uh, Earl Grey tea. Okay, this is wild bergamot, or also called bee balm. It's a peppery flower, peppery tasting, very very interesting. We do a lot of foraging as well in the forest around our farm, so. Uh, Fantastic. Quite a few unique things. Maybe that's a topic for another yeah, podcast. Yeah, we might get back to that. <laughs> so what about the fall? What does the fall bring? Okay, we know, so, of course, the apple. Right, right. The apple's coming in the fall. Uh, the beautiful, beautiful pears will be mm-hmm. there as well. Um, and uh, on the farm, we'll be getting into winter squash, uh, pumpkins, the end of the watermelon season. As I said earlier, the uh, onions, shallots, garlic will all be fully cured and ready to go. Then we start to wind down. It becomes a quiet time of the year, and you're going to move into the storage crops like parsnips, turnips, uh, that sort of thing. So in winter, is there nothing more? Well, in winter, things slow down. Uh, There are quite a few farms which use season-extending techniques, which can stretch crops into winter and early into the spring. However, I don't do that. Uh, because it's against the principles of seasonality to me. Right. Uh, I don't want to force my tomatoes to grow in October, which I could do. I want them to stop when the time is there to stop. And I think that gives, I think that gives food a better quality. Uh, winter is a harsh time. Winter was the starving times uh, in the old days. And uh, the, the, the way we can transport, store, and, and produce food has solved that problem in the world. But... But I'm trying to stick to what I know best, and that's seasonality, perfect freshness, and follow the cycles of the plant. You know, in cooking, it's the same thing for me because we're cooking of the season also. So, you know, this is that boon time we're really celebrating. Um, but it, my recipes really, you know, follow along with that also. So let's you, just— you, you, might actually, you might actually consider, too, uh, as seasonality, winter is the time for storage. Don't think okay. of it as a crop, but think of it as the storage time. This is a time when the canning you did, where the other f- drying, the food storage techniques you used in the boom times when there was too much of a product, this is when those products are available. So it's a form of seasonality in itself, the storage through the winter. And how does one store? Let's talk about that. Well, uh, I, I'm a farmer, not, not a okay. uh, food preservation specialist, but pickling, uh, old-fashioned canning, is uh, one of the most common methods. Uh, there are salting, there's freezing, ma- many simple methods that uh, any of your listeners could use. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my recipes I posted the other day about is um, is that I roast tomatoes. I take those beautiful sun golds or uh, juliettes or something, cut them in half, put them in the oven, and you really just roast them until they're not dried but they're they're roasted. They're oven roasted. You know what I mean? So yes, it's not yeah. dried like they're sun-dried tomatoes. Yeah. There's still some moisture, but I put them in uh, pint mason jars, and I keep them in the freezer, and then you can add it to a sauce or a stew or a salad dressing or things like that. Yeah. We do something similar with our uh, sun-sugar tomatoes, uh, cherry tomatoes, uh, with a large-scale food dehydrator where we make a lightly chewy uh, uh, tomato that can be used in the winter. Yeah. And where do you store yours? Well, these are dried, so mm-hmm. they can store in jars. We typically use a mason jar, just like you. And, and uh, freezing is not something that should be overlooked. Uh, maybe I'll share a recipe I have for an eggplant sauce 
that we make with the very hard to store eggplant. When you have a uh, surplus of eggplants, nobody knows what to do with them. But uh, we've created a method to uh, make them into sauces, which are frozen, and you can enjoy them throughout the winter. Oh my gosh! Could you ever sell anything like that? I mean, I noticed some of the farmers at the farmers market at the Green City Market, which shout out to because we love them. I know that many of them have sauces and things. Well, uh, we call these value-added products, where we take products we grow and uh, we add value by creating something and marketing it. And many farmers do do that. Uh, I do it to a very small degree with some dried spices and dehydrated foods. But to to market the sauces, you have to have uh, certified kitchens. Okay, got some it. some large farms do a very small farm like mine does not, and it wouldn't wouldn't be economical. Yeah, right? Do you dry? Do you do anything with dried mushrooms? Oh, we I dry like a lot do. of mushrooms. Right. Yeah. In fact, uh, you've you've probably forgotten because you're so busy, but. Uh, you created a mushroom powder from a lot of dried right. mushrooms I had last That's year. That's what I, I thought. That's why I was asking. I was like, was that froggy? Yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 We do a lot of mushroom drying. And ours are primarily uh, wild foraged mushrooms. So uh, wild forest mushrooms, dried and powdered, are really becoming in now. People are making drinks called mushroom coffee out of various uh, selections. And it's something we do not as a business because we do it because of our love of mushrooms. Uh, I remember last year taking your dried mushrooms, and I love that kind of thing, and then grinding it down. My son is a vegan, is a very passionate vegan, just like you're very passionate about seasonality. And so I'm always thinking of what little magic elixirs can sort of make his food, you know, know, more more delicious. Any kind of dehydration just concentrates the flavors of, of whatever you're working with. And if you're thoughtful, you can turn that from a dried, chewy survival food into something very precious. One of the things that I love more than anything, and it's some things I have in the book with some of the recipes, was actually a trick that Roy taught me, was to take mushrooms. When you soak them, that water becomes the most amazing magic elixir. So whether it's a basis for a soup, and for somebody that's vegan, it can be a part of, you know, Christmas time last year, we did an all, you know, vegan two days. And we did a beautiful uh, mushroom pot roast. So I sort of did a pot roast but I didn't mushroom. And you have to cook it differently because it's, 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 it's mushroom. It's not meat. You don't have to, like, roast it for five hours. Yeah. But part of it was I made a really beautiful, uh, not only a vegetable stock, which I used, but I made a mushroom broth. And um, i tell you what, it's absolutely – nobody was missing meat. There's such a, there's such a wide variety of beverages uh, available today. I think a lot of us have forgotten the magic of broths and infused waters. Uh, the simplicity of cucumbers in ice water, or uh, or not even a broth, water that mushrooms have soaked in. That's that's the kind of thing we need to get back to. Those simple flavors and simple pleasures without all the processing we do can be the basis of, for some wonderful cooking, as I'm sure you've used many times. Well, I think you know I'm the queen of the marinated onion. Yes. And <laughs> at this time of year when you're having your – are they called candy apple onions? Red candy apples are the ones that you're in oh, love with. So I, you know, get so many of them. And um, right now at this time of year, I'm just making the small marinated onions because I'm celebrating the season. You know, I can get the right. larger ones. And they are absolutely so delicious. And, of course, people ask. I mean, I send people to you. So I'm, I'm frightened <laughs> because there's going to be no onions left for me. And I know you kind of – I mean, you're an onion farmer, right? I mean, you specialize in onions. That's so, our specialty, yeah. alliums, yeah. yeah. Um, so people ask, you know, um, people ask, do you ship them? Will you ship shallots? And I, I know you've said it before, but I want you to tell the shallot story. 
Sure, sure. Uh, well, uh, on the first question, uh, we don't really ship our onions and shallots anymore. Um, our demand has become so high that we can rarely keep them on our table at the farmer's market even. Uh, so so you're going to have to come visit us. Come and to I, Chicago. I think that if you come visit us, you'll be happy. Uh, you, you stand a chance of meeting Terry, and you'll meet me, and we can talk about uh, many, many subjects. But So, no, we don't ship. Uh, uh, and uh, as we are the uh, big shallot grower around here, in my mind at least, uh, I can tell you a little bit about shallots. So uh, shallots uh, have been around for a long time. And the true shallot is what we call a French shallot. French red, French gray comes in about seven different varieties. Uh, these are grown only vegetatively from bulbs, not from seeds. And because of that, they're very difficult to grow, and most American farmers don't grow them. Now, there's another type of onion called the Dutch shallot. It's grown from seed, making it simple to grow, simple to harvest. And that's the shallot you'll see in grocery stores. Uh, it is a very, very good tasting onion, which tastes similar to a shallot and was renamed to uh, create a better marketing appeal. But if you want the true, honest shallot flavor, you want to go with a French red or French gray, and you're only going to find those at your farmer's market. You're going to have to hunt down a farmer who has them and who knows what they have. Even many farmers don't understand the difference. Even seed catalogs still try to sell uh, Dutch shallots as shallots. So, so uh Celebrate the onion. Celebrate the onion. Celebrate the shallot. They're all here and coming in. Literally tomorrow, I've got a crew of volunteers coming to my farm, and they are going to dig your favorite uh, red candy apple onions all day, along with the remainder of our shallots and onions, so we can get them into the uh, curing barn to cure. What does that mean to get in the curing barn to cure? Well, so, of course, we, bring, we, we harvest them from the field. We'll clean them somewhat from dirt. Now, when the onion comes up, you, you, you pick an onion. You dig an onion after the tops have dried and the drying process has begun. That's what concentrates the flavor and allows them to store well. But it's not finished. After you get them out of the ground, they need to be moved to a place with the right environmental conditions so that they dry, which will give them that six-month storage, which, uh, which makes them so special, and it will concentrate the flavors. So basically, we have to get them from the field up into the top level of our old-fashioned barn, where we hang them, put them on special racks. Uh, we have fans to uh, keep air moving and uh, other ways to cool the air to try to keep it in the proper range. We sh they shouldn't be allowed to go over, say, uh, 80 degrees because you can uh, get botrytis, which is called neck rot. The onion's still good, but it will not store. We're looking for the best of all worlds, excellent storage, excellent flavor. And that curing is essentially drying, but a little more than just drying. So when you say that you can store the onions for six months, I mean, tell me a little bit about that. I mean, that's, that's going to be mind-blowing to most people. Yeah, yeah. The uh, onion storage is tricky. Uh, many of the uh, onions that you buy in the store could have been stored up to a year. But that's, wow. that's done with chemicals. You can store without chemicals. And uh, first step is the proper curing I've told you about. A lot of uh, farmers may harvest their onions, bring them directly to market. Those onions will not uh, last six months. If you cure them properly by drying them properly, that's step number one. Step number two is storage, and the conditions, the environmental conditions, will be completely different. Uh, prime uh, conditions will be uh, dark, no light, temperatures from 32 to 34 degrees Fahrenheit, very good air circulation, and low humidity. That is a combination that's almost impossible to achieve <laughs> right. in anything but a uh, 
perfect environment that's set up for that. So what we do is we try to approach that, and we uh, try to find a dark place, keep them out of the sun, keep them someplace cool, uh, keep the air circulating well, so don't seal them in any plastic, Tupperware, or jars, and uh, keep and the area dry. And what would you put them in for circulation? What would be the best thing? So uh, top of the list is temperature. Okay. So That's what I want to know. What's top of the list? If temperature. you're an apartment dweller in a high rise, mm-hmm. you're not going to have a cool place in your house. Right. You're going to have to use your refrigerator. And you are going to sacrifice humidity level because it's going to be too humid and air circulation. But you can't achieve dark and you can't achieve cold. So that's where you go with that. Well, let, me, let me ask you a question. So, so if my, what about my garage? So my garage is dark. Your garage is dark. Mm-hmm. It's cool in the winter. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm only storing them for the winter. Right. But it can be cold in the winter, too. Okay. So you, you don't want any temperatures below 32 degrees. That will destroy your onion. Okay. It, it won't store at all. It'll store just fine while it's frozen, but... Mm-hmm. Once it unfreezes, you've got a little mushy pile of bad-smelling onion. And then what do you—I mean, last year, you know, I did this because we talked about it. Mm. Mine didn't last six months, but I got many months out of it. I mean, mm-hmm. I think I, I feel like I got four. Um, and I did mine in boxes, and then I cut some holes in the boxes, and I kept them downstairs. My house is pretty cool. I left them in the garage, and then when it got to be really, um, really cold, then I brought them in. Yeah, this this harsh winter we just had would have definitely yeah. done them in. So if people put them in their refrigerator, how long do they last? And do you sacrifice taste? So in the refrigerator, your onions can potentially last for even longer. Wow. But the refrigerator is dangerous because of the humidity levels uh, You can and the lack of air circulation. You have a real danger of mold. Okay. And many, many people will find a perfect onion with a thin layer of black mold, which mm-hmm. is very common and can actually be wiped off, or layers of green mold, which should not be messed around with. That's the danger. The temperature is so perfect. Uh, and I also forgot to mention all these conditions I talk about, you'll improve your storage if they are steady. You don't want to have 34 degrees for two months, and then 40 okay. degrees, okay. and then back to 32, okay. and then up to 50. Okay. Those kind of things can shorten your storage time, too. Uh, many people do achieve really good results, and the actual curing process can be the thing that really makes a difference. I have uh, customers who live in apartments with no place to store them, who did not store them in the refrigerator, who were still using shallots in March or April, which is... And how did they store them? They just stored them in a dark, dry place, uh, usually in paper bags. Uh, You have to be careful when you use cardboard or uh, paper because they tend to absorb moisture from the air, increasing the humidity inside your box. That may have shortened yours by a month or so. Is a paper bag better? A paper bag is better than a plastic bag. Yes. Uh, A paper box is better than a plastic box, but the ultimate would be some sort of net bag of material that did not uh, absorb water. Just like the cheap net bags you see them sell bags of onions in, if you had something along those lines in either box or bag form, that would be perfect. And if you want to try it again this year, I will definitely set you up with some onion bags. I want to try it again this year. Yeah. I'm 100% on board. This now, is, we're going to do this yearly, and then we're going to be like, Terry, what happened with the onions? <laughs> Because I am a girl dedicated to my onions. And a little trick your viewers can use if they want to be thrifty is find old nylon stockings, put individual onions in the stockings, tie a small knot, 
then another, a clean stocking, of course, mm-hmm. then another, and another. So you have a string of onions in the nylon stocking, then you hang it up in a cool, dark, dry place. Oh, my gosh. I would think it wouldn't work because I don't think of natu- nylon as a natural fiber, so I would think that it wouldn't be able to breathe. Well, there's, uh, there's enough space between mm-hmm. the, uh, in the weave okay. to allow it to We're breathe. We're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to do it all this year, and I'm going to do it step-by-steps yeah. on the story. And you can, you can easily buy tubes of netting. Uh, okay. Like a store. Uh, okay, you're gonna please and, text me a list. Okay, oh, yeah. Terry, get these things. Um, by the way, if people are thinking about coming to Chicago, they should know that September 25th we're doing our book tour wrap event. It's gonna be incredible. We've got crumbles coming from all over the country, and it's on a Wednesday. But coming ahead and, and uh, see Froggy on the Saturday. When does when do the markets close? Uh, Seven to one. Uh, every Wednesday and Saturday, and the last outdoor market this year will be October 26th. Now, we're speaking of Green City Market, yes. which is the only yes. market I attend. Yes. There yes. are other yes. markets around. Yeah. We're, at the moment, we're just caring about our markets. Yeah. That's and then, uh, then we move to an indoor market at the uh, Notabart uh, Nature Museum yes. throughout the winter. However, is- many of the farmers like myself will, will uh, stop selling things in December yeah. because we are unable to grow anything yeah. during the winter. Absolutely. I want to just talk a little bit about gardeners because, you know, gardening is considered to be the largest hobby. So what tips, and that's what people wanted to know, what tips would you have for the home gardener? Well, first tip is if you're not gardening at home now, you should. Gardening is going to improve your soul. It's going to make you healthy and happy, and you're going to get a product, a meaningful product out of it, something that's going to improve your health. First thing you have to do with gardening, it's just like farming. You need to plant. You need to think through the entire season that you have available and what you have available. The first thing you, ha- thing you have to ask yourself is what kind of space do I have available? Uh, farming or gardening takes space. Do you have property with land? Will you be working in containers only? Uh, do you have a sunny area? Do you have a shady area? Uh, what is your climate like? Very, is it very wet? Is it very dry? And all those things can lead you to the proper decision-making for what kind of plants you can grow. Growing any plant will make you happy, but successfully growing plants will make you very happy. So you have, <laughs> like to, choose the, you have to choose the right ones. Yeah. I like that. That is so true. We'll make you happy. We'll make you very happy. I do think that gardening improves your soul. I mean, I do think – I feel that same way about cooking, but there is a magic to getting and putting your hands in soil and, you know, watching a flower growing. I leave my flowers forever, and if, like, anybody's thinking about somebody that works for me, I'd be like, oh, let's clip this flower. I'm like, we're never clipping a flower. I mean, they are out there. I love it. I just let them die. If it's, like, going to be winter tomorrow and there are flowers, I will clip them. But otherwise, for me, it's a sacrilege. I'm yeah. not suggesting other people do that, but I'm giving you a little insight. Yeah, I, uh, I agree. Uh, there's really something special about raising plants, and gardening is the way to go. Out on the farm— we don't just farm for money. We farm for the way it makes us feel when we're out yeah. there in the fields. And believe me, most people probably do not want to be out there in the fields with it. It is a rough, tough life. But when you garden, you'll get the same feeling in nice, small packages that will just warm your heart. I so, love that. I'm so yeah. glad I asked this. So what about seed or seedlings? Okay, seed or seedlings depends on type of plant. Some plants will perform better with seedlings. Some will p- perform better uh, directly seeded, or in other words, putting the seed right into the ground. If you are growing in containers, you probably should start with a seedling. Uh, if you're growing in the ground, there are seeded plants that will do better when you plant the seeds directly in the ground. So 
this is a big discussion, which we could probably do a whole podcast right. on. So I'm going to give you a quick run-through of some of the popular plants. Uh, one plant I would suggest, easy to grow and very rewarding, is sugar snap peas. For sugar snap peas, you're going to need to have ground. You're going to have to have space in a yard or something like that, or a garden plot, a community garden. Grow some sugar snap peas. You plant them directly in the ground as early in the spring as you can, as soon as the soil can be worked. Put up some kind of pole or trellis for them to climb on, and you'll very quickly have a very rewarding crop. I love that. Uh, next, uh, let's we could move. I, I typically tell uh, people, unless they have a lot of space, to avoid root crops. Root crops take up a lot of space. Typically, they're uh, three to six inches apart in grids. You could pop in a few garlics or something, and, and that might be enjoyable as well. They'd be direct seeded, all, all the root crops. Uh, as the season goes on, you want to start to move into some of the more, the larger crops. And I would suggest tomatoes. Tomatoes are easy to grow. Many types are easy to grow, not all. And uh, peppers, I would suggest. I would like to suggest eggplants, but let's save that till our gardeners are a little more advanced. Okay. They are a finicky, difficult-to-grow plant. I feel like tomatoes are so hard. I did tomatoes for a couple of seasons, yeah. and I never had luck. I kind of oh. gave up after two seasons. First step is uh, start with seedlings when it comes to tomatoes. You can grow from seed, and that's very rewarding, but it's a much more difficult setup. You have to start them eight weeks before planting, which means you have to figure out the best planting date two months in advance. Okay, that's probably what I did wrong. Uh, and they're, they're very tricky at the beginning. Uh, you need to get the proper moment in time when you plant them, and you have to care for them like little babies mm -hmm. at the beginning, and then later you have to be very mean to them. And by mean, I mean you don't want to water them too much. That's my you problem. You don't want to fertilize them I'm, too much. I'm an overwaterer yeah. of human beings, my own children, <laughs> and tomatoes. Uh, I can see that in you yeah. whenever I talk to you. <laughs> I, I remember too, uh, too kind for your tomatoes, good. Oh my God! I, and I overwater flowers, so whenever I'm doing it, I always, when I go to Gethsemane and I pick things, I'm always like, "Here's the thing: I like to water." So it's like I want plants that because if if, if you can't water it, I'm going to kill it. Like begonias, I just yeah. you know. Yeah. So so, so most plants you're going to get a great head start with seedlings, and unless you got a nice little greenhouse set up in your window or in the back of your house, that's going to save you a lot of trouble. You'll get them in there. A professional will have already got the seeds going for you, giving them a good start. You can choose. So for every seed I plant, anywhere from, uh, for each seed, for every 10 seeds I plant, anywhere from one to eight might not come up or might not have good plants. Well, since I'm planting hundreds or thousands, that's not a problem. If you're planting five tomatoes and Three of the plants don't don't uh, uh, germinate from seed properly. You've already cut yourself down to two, and you can't go backwards in time. So instead, with plants like tomatoes and peppers, let's just start with a seedling. Uh, and those are two plants I highly recommend. Very prolific if you handle them right, and uh, very very re rewarding. The thing I love to plant is seedlings of, or get them you know halfway grown is herbs. I go to Gethsemane, I get my herbs for the year, I put them in one of the boxes, oh, yeah. I have them in the yard, I have a second one on the side house. I have a container garden on the side of my house because you live in the city, you don't have a lot of land. Right. So in the back, I have a nice little garden with flowers and things. And then what we did was took the side and just did containers, some that came from my parents' house. And I've got probably 25. I mean, some beautiful ones, some giant ones, some smaller ones. There's then, nothing better than, than herbs for containers. That, and, that's really great. You know, I do them on the side. So I have one on the side, one in back. And it's just like it's so fun to go out and grab your chives. And this is what I find. 
they many of them grow back the next year, even though these are containers and you think it's cold, harsh winter. One yeah. of them is just like like that plastic box on the side, but every year my chives come up again. And yeah, yeah. Many, many uh, herbs are perennials, and if you uh, if you prevent the pots from freezing, then they will quite often come back, and sometimes they'll come back anyway. They're very hardy. Um, How do you prevent the pot from freezing? You move it inside. Oh yeah. Or you bury it, for that bury it in the dirt. mansion that I don't live in. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> Into your garage, maybe. But uh, I mean, I have really heavy pots, so I don't think there yeah. would be any way to do that, and they're full of dirt. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you just take your chances then. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, do I bubble wrap them or is that just like ridiculous? That might be a little much. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, you've already had success right. with them lasting through the winters, through difficult Chicago winters for a number of years. I don't think you're going to have a problem now. If you survived last winter, yep. If they if they sprouted, then yeah, the herbs you're are okay. Good. On the back, on the side, they have all these beautiful you know containers with plants and. So they they die. I mean, there's signs like I just want to. I would like to give them to somebody because when the winter comes, they're all going to die, and somebody might love them inside. So yeah, they, uh, yeah. They, and there's two varieties of perennial plants. One's not truly a perennial; they're annuals that self-seed. Uh, say things like arugula. Arugula is not perennial, but it self-seeds every year and then comes back. And then there, you have your true perennials like thyme, uh, which will which will just come back from the same root system year after year. So the excellent excellent choices. Low maintenance can tolerate dry conditions if you get forgetful about watering, and uh, that's they're they're a good choice. I want to just ask about lettuces because you know Roy always says, "Oh gosh, let's grow you know lettuces in spring." Do you think people can do it? Is it easy? Uh, I uh, lettuce and spinaches and other greens are easy to grow, but they can be difficult. Uh, there's there's different types that can be difficult. Uh, lettuces are not one I'm I'm as fond of, uh, but spinach is where mm-hmm. I would go okay. if, if I was looking for easy to grow greens. Okay. They'll grow in very cold conditions. You can also grow spinach by planting it in the fall. Okay, that's what I wondered. Yeah, plant it in the fall and leave it grow, and then it will come up. And in the winter, it will uh, kind of go into stasis. Just let the snow fall right on top of it. Nothing makes spinach sweeter than sitting under snow all winter. What other vegetable could I plant in the fall just for fun to try for the spring? If you have space, mm-hmm. uh, of course, and, uh, there are a lot of root crops. That, winter is the root crops uh, time to shine. And you can plant onions in the fall. You can plant garlic in the fall. You can plant shallots in the fall and all over winter. You can also plant parsnips. Uh, I have not done it, but there's a possibility of overwintering carrots. Uh, I'm not sure how successful you'll be if you're not okay. a pro, though. Uh, I think I'll try spinach and shallots and see. I mean, I have nothing to lose. I would. I know? would. I mean, shallots are best planted in fall. Okay. And then uh, spinach is really rewarding. I, I'm much fonder of spinach than I am of uh, lettuce. Okay. Uh, I'm, a, if I'm you, a baby romaine girl myself. Okay. Well, if you do want success with lettuce and early plantings, mm-hmm. maybe not overwintered, but early plantings, You'll probably have better success with leaf lettuces than That's head what lettuces. I was thinking. Leaf okay. lettuces will do better yes. for you. Okay. Head lettuces can be tricky. Okay. Uh, especially, uh, you know, you, you'll see a lot of vegetables that look perfect and they're just the shape you want and just the color you want and have no defects. We can't grow, it's very, di- I, should, I won't say we can't, it's very difficult to grow products like that organically or no chemical like I do. So it's best to avoid those if that's the route you're going. If you're not afraid to put a little bit of uh, uh, 
bug spray of some pest. I don't know a lot about pesticides, so I can't recommend yeah. one. But if you're not afraid to use an organic pesticide, you'll have a better time with greens. Mm. Uh, so carefully choose your greens. Uh, get get a good seed. Kind of like life. Carefully yeah. choose your greens. <laughs> yeah. You, uh, you, you can consult a, 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 someone you know like mm-hmm. me. Or you can consult a uh, seed catalog, for instance, uh, from a good company like uh, Johnny's Seeds or someone like that. And then uh, they'll have descriptions of which are insect-resistant, which can stand up to the cold the best. And there are so many varieties specifically bred to uh, deal with these problems. Oh, fantastic. Well, I can't believe it. We're just about out of time, and we didn't even get to half what we thought we'd talk about. But this was such a pleasure. And I think you've given people, you know, things that they're really going to like. One of the things I want to say is that I had um, a party at the beginning of the tour, invited dear friends and people who'd been a part of the journey, and it was such a magic night. I'm so glad that you were you were one of the two farmers that I invited, and I'm so glad you were there. And can, yeah. What did you think of the evening? I, I enjoyed it. It was yeah. very interesting, not the kind of thing I usually get to do. but uh, And the best part of the evening was uh, seeing you in your success mode. Mm -hmm. It was so rewarding. You know, I've I've known you for a while, not as long as many of your friends, but to see you with that kind of success and all those people who support you and love you, Yeah, that was the best part of the evening. It was really like I just, you know, I could tear. It was a special night for me. It was a small group. I mean, it was like 40-something people, but it was family, friends. It was, I invited people that was like, you know, it's made made a real difference in my life that I wanted to share a really special moment. It was sort of like my wedding. Yeah. Um, you know, that same moment of like a really special thing. So yeah. I, when I think back on that night, it was a magic. And there I, was a certain glow, you know. I'm so. proud that I was included in that group Thank, as you. Well. Thank you. I'm so glad you came. Yeah. So, and, and I'm glad we didn't finish all our topics today because yeah. that means we have to do this we again. We got to do it again. I, we want Froggy to come every season and talk about what's <laughs> going on for that season. And next time we're going to talk about organic farming and the true cost of food. So, Froggy, I know people come to the Green City Market to find you. Tell me about that. So they can come there or where else do they find you? Uh, right now, we're a very small farm, and we are specifically uh, only at the Green City Market. Okay. We've dropped all our other venues of sales, and we're selling out every day at Green City Market mm-hmm. very early. So I don't want to increase the size of our farm because yes. I want to maintain the quality level and lifestyle I've yeah, got right now. I love it. So, And I feel really bad when people come, and I can't help them. But please, yeah. Just come early. Don't yeah. be afraid. Beat yeah. the crowd, and I will take good care of you and give you some really good products. It's so important. Farmers have so much to teach us, and the truth is, I, I, my experience is that they liked being asked questions. So as, as much as possible, I love to get in there and you know meet everybody and all yeah. of that. So and, and don't ever be afraid. If you come up and I can't talk to you because we're so crazy busy, please come again because I want to talk to you. Yeah. Sometimes we can't, but I will do it if I can. Okay. So on Facebook, they can find you where? Is it Froggy Meadow Farms? Yes, Froggy Meadow okay. Farm on Facebook. Okay. And then you can also find us at Instagram under Froggy Meadow Farm. Right. But really, come find him. Froggy's yeah, a face-to-face guy. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's yeah. not going to be direct messaging you. It's like, get on over to that market. So thanks, everybody, you know, for tuning in. Thanks, Froggy, for being here. Um, you guys, come find me over at No Crumbs Left on Instagram, on Facebook, or on the blog. And I hope everybody has a great day.